0: Between Us
1: hey. Just Between Us hey. Hello. Hello! I'm Alison Raskin. I'm a writer, director, and registered voter. Hi, I'm
2: Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bi bisexual icon, wink, and also a registered voter.
1: Are you guys a registered voter? Do you live in America? Do you live anywhere? Register to vote! Oh my god. <laughs> Well, the United
2: States, do you live in the United States? But I think you have to be like really on top of when your ballot is coming. Like I have a thing called ballot tracks and it's going to tell me when my ballots in the mail. So like, don't just think it's coming. Be super on top of like when it's coming and making sure it's coming early enough.
1: Yours hasn't come yet, though, right?
2: No, but I have like a thing on it that's going to tell me when it is. I got a thing I get now. I get a thing from the post office that's like tells me, it's like tells me what's getting delivered that day. That's cool. Yeah, it's been very useful because I've been getting a lot of packages.
1: Well, you don't really need to brag. Okay. We know you're a big deal. <laughs> there gifts it's stuff for the house it's stuff for the new house this is just between us a variety show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty so what's uh what's going on with you
2: besides the mail in
1: the post office (laughs) Um, i've had a foster dog sadie for the last week which has been which has been fun but um after this actually i'm going to see if she is about to get adopted hopefully by a family
2: what kind of family do you get any say? Do you get to go, I don't like them?
1: No, I don't. Um, I mean, Wags and Walks does, and they're pretty on top of it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. How does Sugar feel when you have these foster dogs? She's not happy. She
1: doesn't like it? No, but we're also, we feel so bad that she ends up getting like way more spoiled and like it's way more treats and like fun food and all this stuff. So I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> Where do both dogs sleep? On the bed. Ha! <laughs> How big of a bed do you have? We have a king, but Sadie's very little. She's just a chihuahua. So uh, Jake set up like a pillow that's between our pillows and Sadie just sleeps on that pillow the whole night.
2: Oh, my God. Maybe I need a bigger bed because my bed is just taken up by Mal and Beans. You still day. have a
1: queen? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Getting a king bed changed my life.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like it because it's all very snuggled together and it's very sweet, but it is also like this bean snores like a human man right in my ear
1: jake is always like you are so far from me and i'm like yes yes i am (laughs) (laughs) why
2: did mal says that too why are you sleeping so far from me i'm like i don't know i if you're a couple who sleeps snuggled like i love that for you but like i need space
1: yeah everyone's different and i like to be right on the edge You're like, I live life on the edge of, of my bed. bed. Oh, my God. We've got a great episode for you guys this week. I'm so excited. We are talking to healthcare expert Andy Slavitt uh, and asking him some tough questions about Medicare, Medicaid and his podcast in the bubble. And later we're going to discuss birthdays.
2: Do we celebrate them? Why is it important to celebrate? Who can say?
1: <laughs> but first, hit it. International question, international question, international question. Anonymous, Canada. Okay, so Anonymous says, hey, I've been friends with this girl. I'm also a girl for about seven years now. And I started developing romantic feelings for her a few years ago. I thought it wasn't worth it to risk the friendship, so I pushed the feelings away. But recently, I realized I can't ignore it anymore, and the feelings are getting stronger. She knows I'm bisexual, and she also isn't really sure of her sexuality. I just don't know if it's worth risking a perfectly good friendship just because I have feelings for her. Because I'm 99% sure she doesn't feel the same. Also, both of us have never been in a relationship, so we relate a lot in that sense. I've asked my friends for advice and they think I should tell her. But every time I get a chance to, I freeze up and don't do it. Do you think it's better to just keep hiding it or should I let her know?
2: Uh, OK, well, how how are you reading that they're not, you know, how are you reading that that they're not into you?
1: You know, this isn't interactive. I don't I don't know. I can't ask her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like. There's a world in which she also is going through this thing of not wanting to ruin the friendship and not wanting to, you know, uh, take that next step. So she's actually probably writing into us with the same exact question.
1: But also... I think I, I think that we should assume that, honestly, that the girl doesn't feel the same way. But then do you still say something? Because I also feel like sometimes saying something takes a lot of the weight off of it. And then, mm-hmm. like, if you kind of, like, put it all out there and you're like, like, look, like... You know, obviously, I, I don't think that you feel the same way at all, but it just feels weird not to tell you that like I have I've realized that I have like romantic feelings for you and I'm not pressuring you in any way, but it just feels weird for me not to share that with you. Like, how, how would you feel if a friend did that to you?
2: I, I mean, I'd sort of be like, OK, but it does create a little bit of weirdness because you kind of wonder, are they hanging out with you in the hopes that something will happen? Uh, I would say if you had only liked her for a little while to keep it to yourself, but if it's been a few years, maybe you should say something, right? Because it doesn't seem like it's going away. That's what but I also, mean. Do, like you're
1: like, oh, it'll make things weird, but it's already weird for at least half of that friendship.
2: It's already weird. Do you think that you want something from telling her? Like, is it? it I think sometimes you should go into it just being like, I need to tell you, and then let them talk. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, this is what I want from you. Um, And how would you feel if she's not into you? Would you still hang out? Would you still be friends? I mean, I think you have to go through all of that.
1: But I also think that sometimes we get really caught up in the fantasy of something. And so it mm-hmm. might be impossible for Anonymous to move on from her friend unless her friend says, hey, I, I'm sorry, I just don't feel that same way. Then mm-hmm. that sort of like gives Anonymous like, oh, okay, this is something that's not going to happen. And then maybe... She can like move past her feelings or re-enter the friendship in a different way. I just think mm-hmm. that like I feel like the finality of of either answer might actually help the relationship.
2: Yeah, maybe then you could just like move on. Right. I mean, do you think knowing will will help you move on? And if you move on, do you think that you will still be friends with this person?
1: Yeah. I mean, should we do a a, a role play? A role
0: play. Also,
2: she you have to kind of, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that she might not want to be friends with you.
1: Yeah. But also, like, if you're hanging out with someone all the time and all you're thinking about is, God, I'm in love with my friend. Oh, should I tell my friend? Yeah. Should I not tell my friend? What would happen? What would, It's like, already
2: it's a, not a friendship. Yeah, it's then. just so
1: exhausting in yeah. your brain that I think that sort of just like being honest and saying the truth can kind of like, regardless of the outcome, maybe just like be a relief.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You have to remove yourself from. like wanting a certain outcome which sucks and it's hard to do here you play the girl who has the crush
1: okay hello hey what's up best friend hey so I hate to do this to you and I'm and I'm sorry but I just feel like it'd be weirder if I didn't tell you in that um, I don't know in the last few years I feel like I've maybe developed some like romantic feelings for you. And in no way am I expecting those to be reciprocated. But it just felt strange and like confusing, considering how close we are for me not to tell you that.
2: Oh, what uh, what do you what's your ideal outcome from this? Like, what do you hope?
1: That's not what the girl would say. Yes,
2: would, What do you hope will happen? She would, are you just she te- would focus no, on her are own you, feelings? Are you just telling me or do you want to date me?
1: I mean, obviously, I'd love to date you. But I also know that, like, that's me drastically changing, you know, the framework of our relationship. And that's not something I can expect of you at all.
2: I mean, I am not sure about my sexuality. I've also never been in a relationship. So like, I don't know, you know, can we try it? Can we like, can we like try dating for like a week and then like circle back?
1: Okay. <laughs> this is going way better than I thought it would go. <laughs> I just like, I would, I would like to do it on a trial basis. I would like to circle back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll schedule in a circle back in a week. Okay. Switch. Now you tell me. Okay. Hey. Hey, friend. Hi. I've been watching selling sunset. Have you? It's so fun. I haven't been watching it actually because, well, not
2: because look unrelated. No, I, I just um, want to
1: talk about <laughs> selling sunset
2: okay well um so the thing is is that like we've been such good friends and I've you know you know that I'm bisexual um and I've been thinking a lot about how we should like we're so good together that like what if what if we dated
1: whoa that's like really
2: aggressive and why I've been holding it in for years I feel like now is like the least I could do
1: uh, I have to really, um, I have to really think about this and it's kind of like weirding me out that you would put this on me like that. Um, oh, so I need some space and some time to think.
2: Oh, so, okay. Well then I'm completely down to stay friends. Okay. I wish you had said that up front. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I what, I See, this is why when I was you, I asked what is your ideal outcome and what, and, and what are you, and what are you going to do if
1: I'm not on the same page? Yeah, so what we've learned through this role play is that you have to say all the things up top. Like, you have to say why you're telling them now. You have to say that you're not putting pressure on them. You have to say that you would love to take things in a romantic direction if they felt the same way, but if not, you're super happy to just stay friends. And I think that, like, the reveal being more about... That you feel weird not telling them versus that you want something out of it. I think would be if I was the friend receiving that would make me feel if I didn't feel the same way, it would make me feel a lot more comfortable.
2: Yeah. I mean, you've stayed friends with people who were attracted to you and you've just been like, no, thank you.
1: Yeah. And honestly, it's been easier in like the honesty of it without you being like, I kind of. I'm kind of
2: reading that maybe you want to fuck.
1: Right. Or like, oh, my God, my friend just randomly kissed me in the kitchen. Like, you know, like that there's that there were conversations oh, around it. Don't versus... ever randomly
2: kiss someone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had if we're not friends anymore, but I had a friend where like we explicitly talked about it. I mean, I guess we're not friends anymore, but I think at the
2: time. Yeah, but that wasn't it was what? unrelated. That wasn't, I think yeah. at the
1: time that that helped, you know, just the honesty and the communication there. Mm -hmm. it's it's a big thing to like ask to change a relationship in a dramatic way um so that's why i think it's really important to let the person know it's more just about expressing your feelings than like expecting something of them it sucks because the
2: outcome might be her being like i'm uncomfortable and i don't want to be friends anymore
1: yeah but you know what then like that's (sighs) not a great friend i don't know like i (laughs) i feel as someone who has like receive that from friends and been able to maintain friendships with them. It's not about the fact that you like, like them. It's about how you handle like liking them. So it's like, do you make them feel uncomfortable? Do you act jealous? Do you like keep bringing it up in like an awkward way? Or do you have like one open conversation about it? And then like if the person is mature and they don't feel the same way they could be like, mm, "I'm sorry, it's just like I'm not into women." And then it's yeah. like, "Okay." And then you both move on. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't yeah. have to be the dramatics that it could be, especially because we're dealing with like sexuality and like mm-hmm. it she just might not be into women. <laughs> I wonder
2: too if there's something for the letter writer about like, you know, Having this unrequited thing for years and like just kind of being like comfortable in the unrequitedness. If this like narrative of like, I'm in love with my friend and she doesn't know is like something that you're a little bit into and you should not, you yeah. should, it, it, you should be with someone who it is requited. That's all I'm
1: saying. You deserve that. Absolutely. Anonymous. You know, and part of growing and being ready for relationships is learning how to handle rejection. So no matter what, this will be like a learning experience for you. An opportunity for growth.
2: Yeah. Like because if you've never been in a relationship, maybe this will teach you about, you know, what you're looking for in a relationship. If you're like someone who's like, I only really like people that I'm close to or friends, you know, that's something to know about yourself that like you want to date someone who the connection is is deeper than just like you're hot. You know,
1: I'd hope that that's most people. Sure. I mean, I'm just saying like, <laughs> you, you know, might, that you like, might want to be friends with someone first before you take things romantically. But also, I don't think you should pigeonhole yourself to that because you just don't know. You can right, meet someone tomorrow know. and it could be romantic from the get go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Or you guys will date and get married and unfuck us. Right. Oh, my. If that happens, I will marry you whether you want me to or not. <laughs> what? Oh, you'll officiate the <laughs> yeah, wedding. I'll officiate the wedding. I want to come. Can yeah. I be the flower no, we'll girl? We'll co-officiate the wedding.
2: Okay. I just wanted to be flower girl, but I'll take it.
1: If you want to submit your international question or have us officiate your wedding, please send an email to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com.
2: Up next, we have a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Andy Slavitt. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, everyone. Allison here. books for you to choose from all the books are good so you can't go wrong every aspect of the book of the month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers they have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment. And she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new New husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic, trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in book of the month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, Go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough.
0: Just between
1: us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough
2: Questions. This week on the show, we have healthcare expert Andy Slavitt. Hello. Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you for having me on.
1: Can you explain a little bit about your incredible career?
3: <laughs> oh, um, my career. I served in the Obama administration. I was mm-hmm. uh, I was the guy that turned around healthcare.gov when that crashed, if your listeners remember that. And then I was the head of uh, an agency called Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is where Obamacare and... The uh, Medicare and Medicaid programs are run out of Um, Mm. and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Before that, I'm 53, so it's a long story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of want to break things down just on the most basic level, because I think that one of the issues with healthcare in this country is sort of just how complicated it is. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of explain even just the difference between Medicare and Medicaid?
3: Yeah. Medicare is the program that is primarily for us when we turn 65. We pay into it our whole lives, and it essentially provides us the health care we need to live out our kind of golden years and retire. It also covers people with disabilities um, who are in certain categories who also need to have their health care paid for. Medicaid is a program uh, that's actually the largest health care program in the world. It serves four types of people, low-income folks, moms and kids, moms and babies, people with disabilities, and people who are in nursing homes. Uh, together, those programs and another in the program that 's called children 's Health insurance and the ACA they serve about one hundred and thirty million Americans, and they 've probably been singularly the most responsible things for keeping people out of poverty in this country uh, because before Medicare and Medicaid, if you got sick, um, most of the time um, you lost everything and you were you were living in poverty. about a third of seniors in this country were living in poverty before these before these great things came across.
1: And since Trump has taken office, he's attacked the Affordable Care Act. I have, I have not noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can we kind of get into like on what grounds? Because the actual issue is very kind of like tedious, right? Like it's sort of just like a loophole of how he's trying to take down the law.
3: Well, he's trying to take the law down the law in basically every way possible. But he's got three tools at his disposal. He's got... Uh, legislative tools. So he first tried to repeal the ACA. Um, That didn't work. As people might recall, it almost worked. He's got executive authority, which is uh, he has created all kinds of um, kind of executive acts to kind of defang the law, depower the law, make it harder, make it work worse. It's kind of taken some dings, but it hasn't really worked. And now they're using the third lever, which is the courts. And they're trying on a technicality to say, That when the Congress changed the law in that 2017, that when they did that, they were actually trying to do something different. And that made the entire law not work. That's a case that's going to go before the Supreme Court in November.
1: Let's just be hopeful and say that Biden wins. (laughs) Um, So his plan is to kind of expand the ACA versus implementing Medicare for all. What are your thoughts on that? And, and do you have a preference kind of between the two options?
3: Well, I'm going to frame the, I'm going to frame the issue a little bit differently. I think the, you know, the ACA was a step towards universal coverage. And I think Joe Biden and every other Democrat, including Bernie Sanders, uh, wants universal coverage. Generally speaking, Republicans don't. And there is an argument within the um, Democratic Party of how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Should we do it by eliminating insurance companies? Should we do it by giving everybody a public option, which is what uh, Joe Biden favors, which is to say that people can either have private coverage or public coverage um, which mm-hmm. is which is different than just an expansion of the ECA it's much um, much broader. And that's a debate that I think is to some degree real, but by other degrees it's a very small, debate relative to debate about should there be universal coverage or not. So I think that hopefully the country will move in the direction of universal coverage. Um, I think uh, there's lots of ways to get there. Uh, And, you know, if it were me, I would be pushing for and promoting uh, any and all and getting over the line. You can't do that unless you like more people that believe in universal coverage. And that's that's a thing critically important.
1: But isn't there some kind of like setbacks if you don't go all the way with it being Medicare for all in that, like the insurance companies will still have a lot of power and that it's just more difficult to negotiate drug prices. Like, do you think that there is some benefit to it all just being one program? Sure,
3: I mean, the the trade off, I think, is that as it exists today, you you can make a much more efficient, clear cut, simple system if you just said, look, there's one payer, it's Medicare. And there's a lot of appeal to that the trade-off is that there's 150 million people that have insurance through their jobs. And what do you do with them? Can you give them something equally as good? And when you do that, most of the proposals like Senator Sanders, whose proposal I have worked on, um, you end up having to pay doctors and hospitals a lot less in order to, to save money and cover more people. And when you do that, does that actually solve the problem you're trying to solve or does it make it harder for people to get coverage? So the debate, is in a lot of those sort of nitty-gritty mechanical issues. And the truth is, there's not like one choice. It's not actually one choice or the other. It's not as simple as three words. It, you know, It's not like picking out drapes. It's more like city planning. It's like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of decisions you have to make about how does it work in rural America? How does it work with hospitals? How do you pay doctors? What types of options do you have? Can people buy more? Can they not? And you got to make all of these decisions. And somewhere in there, there's a common ground Um, on how to do this, but it's not as straightforward as just saying A or B. Um, I think the A or B that you speak of is very important philosophically, but most countries around the world have a hybrid. Canada, England, Australia, Germany, um, they're all some, you know, mishmash of some private, some public.
1: Do you think that, like, this would be something that's happening soon? Like, how quickly could the rollout be that it's a public option with everybody. And, you know, if Biden were to win,
3: it depends what the Congress looks like. Uh, I mean, if, if he, first of all, if he doesn't win the Senate, then, you know, I think you're not going to see much legislation. So if he wins and wins the Senate, there's a hope. The second question is what do they do about the filibuster? Uh, The filibuster is something that's been around to protect the rights of the minority. The the Democrats uh, just actually invoked the filibuster today uh, in order to prevent the Republicans from putting forward something that would have been a very, very small COVID package. So if Democrats keep that, then they need 60 votes, which means they'd have to, to convince the Republicans, uh, If that, or they get rid of the filibuster, which is a popular idea. But of course, once you do that, you've done it for all time. You haven't just done it when you're in the majority. You've done it for um, whether you're back in the minority again, which happens periodically. And then the final question is, how much of a priority will Biden make this uh this issue and which issue will be his big issue but for most presidents um they they tend to get one big shot at doing something transformative he may choose to do it on the environment he may choose yeah. to do it on some other kind of uh racial justice issue he may choose to do it on healthcare and you know that's a decision that you know he would make uh and it would be consequential my guess would be that if you win a second, you know, if he, if he serves two terms, then you end up, if he hasn't done it by the first term, it probably becomes the high priority item for the second term or for Harris's first term.
1: One of like the major like kind of buzz terms involved in this whole like healthcare care debate is pre-existing conditions. Can you sort of speak to what qualifies as a pre-existing condition and why that's such an issue with getting health insurance? Changes all the time.
3: Well, it used to be. That pre-existing condition was whatever an insurance company wanted it to be whenever it wanted it to be. So right? you know, if you were ever sick, if you'd had childhood asthma, um, if you had COVID19, uh, insurance companies were able to either deny you entirely or just exclude that or charge you a lot more money for that. So you know, insurance company rules were created by insurance companies. You know the result of that was if you were in a job where you got covered and you, and you had a pre-existing condition, you couldn't leave that job because you were worried that you would never get that covered. If you had a kid who had cancer or if you had anything, um, you were lo- it was called job lock. That's changed now with the CA. Insurance companies aren't permitted to look at your health status, your pre-existing conditions or anything else um, and discriminate against you. So uh, in tearing down the law, as Trump is trying to do, that's something that would go away.
2: Can you talk about your show in the bubble and why you decided to do a podcast?
3: I will talk about my show in the bubble. And I will also, if you want talk about my new book.
2: Oh, sure.
3: We have, so we have a podcast called in the bubble with Andy Slavitt. This is my 18 year old son, Zach's idea. You know, we were home on, it was like April and our stay at home orders. And Zach was forced to spend time with his parents. You know, when you're, when you're a parent of an 18 year old, like you're their last choice. You know, so when, when they were out, he was out of friends to do stuff with because we were isolated. He was like, hey, Dad, we should do a podcast. But, you know, if he said, hey, Dad, let's take out the trash, I would have said yes to that too. <laughs> um, we, I said, well, what should we talk about on the podcast? And I, So I said, would you do it with me? And he said he would. And then so he's kind of been my kind of co-host. Um, I said, what would you do? Uh, we, He said, you know, you talk to people all day long that are like, in the White House, and scientists, and senators, and we call it 50% Winston Churchill, 50% Fred Rogers, and 5% dad jokes. Um, (laughs) And uh, um, so it's really intended to help people get through this very kind of strange and challenging time, uh, but in a helpful, unifying way that the whole family can listen to, the friends can listen to, and really entertaining people on really great, informative people, but not not intended to be scary, intended to be helpful.
2: And then what's the book?
3: Oh, so the book is called Preventable.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of sums it up.
3: It kind of does, doesn't it? Then I think the subtitle is the inside story of how leadership failures, politics, and selfishness doomed the U.S. coronavirus response. Hmm. It comes out uh, March 16th, which is the anniversary of the stay-at-home orders uh, went into effect in the country. And it's a lot of the kind of on the ground conversations and things that were happening in the white house and governor's offices. And, but it's just also a lot about the things that happened well before this presidency or these political leaders were here of, of the kind of country we are, um, mm-hmm. you know, with a, how, how we view um, experts and scientists differently, how we think about individual rights versus our responsibilities how our media and and politics kind of takes over uh, certain issues. Um, Why is it that that the rest of the world had a better um, response than we did when we're such a a capable nation?
1: And you've been kind of vocal about the need for like a bipartisan fight against COVID. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of speak to that and, and why we need to not politicize this issue?
3: Well, you know, if you had half the country that was complying with masks and social distancing, you, there, you, know, you, you would get rid of the spread in that half of the country. But if you still had the other half of the country that was not doing that, the virus mm-hmm. would continue for months and months and even years longer. And part of the problem is that you know many of us can do the right thing. I mean, look, first of all, we know what the right thing to do is. just not breathe, yeah. just not breathing near one another for a little while, right? <laughs> That's all it is.
2: (laughs) But freedom, Andy, but freedom.
3: freedom to breathe near one another. Um, We'll go talk about freedom in a second, but you're making a funny point, but you're making a really good point. Uh, There's a lot of people that don't have the privilege of being able to isolate, that Mm -hmm. that don't live in houses that give them that opportunity. They have um, sick parents or sick kids or or other situations which are are dangerous. And so we put other people in danger Um, when we don't make that consideration. And I do think that it hits your point about freedom, which is, you know, it used to be that if you talked about freedom, you talked about, you also talked about the price of freedom. You talked about um, the responsibility that we had um, Mm -hmm. to earn the freedom that we have. It's not free, um, Mm -hmm. that we have some sorts of responsibilities. And those responsibilities are to one another. And I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves as a country is, if, I don't, if you don't know somebody, are they a stranger or mm-hmm. are they a community member? Um, I have People tell me all the time, hey, Andy, I don't know anybody who's died of COVID-19. And I say the same thing. That's because you don't know the people that grow your food. Right. That's because you don't know the people that um, drive the truck that deliver your food to the distribution center. It's because you don't know the people that work in the distribution center. It's because you don't know the people to clean your office it's because you don't know the people in the local prison um you don't know their names um Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you don't know them and just because we live in a society like that does that give us the right I mean, you can imagine if we lived in a society where we all knew each other's names Mm -hmm. and we and we knew that by not wearing a mask we were infecting people uh would that be different and then when the people who are tending to get sick look different from you if their skin color is different if they're older, and and we know that if people feel personally safe, they let their guards down. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have a situation where there's great disparities in terms of how this virus is impacting people. And today, if you walked into an intensive care unit, most of the people there would be essential workers or their parents, black, mm-hmm. black and brown, a lot of Latinx um, people. So does that give other people a right to say, hey, I'm, I want to go and live my life and go to the bar uh, mm. and uh, because I feel a little bit safer. That's the <laughs> question we've got to address.
1: Why do you think that this country was so duped into believing the virus wasn't real? Like, what set us up for that?
3: You know, I don't think people believed it wasn't real. I think uh, even the president didn't believe that, we know. But I do think people were duped into believing that it was overblown, mm-hmm. that people were exaggerating it for political purposes, that it was being used as an attack on Trump. And, you know, being a political supporter today of either party is is as much a personal identity and a brand identity as it is a political identity. So if you're a Trump supporter, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain brand to that. There's a certain um, a perspective of, hey, you know what? I can finally say whatever I want. I don't Mm -hmm. have to be so damn careful. And this guy gives me permission um, to, you know, whatever it is. And and so when you have that sense of identity and they saw the president attacked for doing a crap job Mm -hmm. on the response, that was also an attack on their brand.
2: I feel like it makes them free to feel like, well, I am the oppressed party. I'm I'm the person, like, who's, you know, being told to wear a mask. And this is kind of, like, about me and my freedoms mm-hmm. versus, like, we did an episode of my other show, Bad With Money, about the Native American community's response to COVID. And they prioritize elders. They care about individuals. And, like, you see that in other countries, too. And I, like, wonder if this is just, like, a U.S.-centric deeply ingrained way of thinking or at least U S centric, like communities that are not, are not, I, I would almost argue like white communities in general. Yeah,
3: a lot of these things, it's not that they're not problems in other countries. Thankfully in many countries are still fringe in our country. There's mm-hmm. a permission structure where those people don't feel like fringe anymore. Um, right. Uh, and, and secondly, you know, there are certain things that have always said, look, politics will be politics, but when we get to certain places, we unite, we're Americans. The expression that once we leave our shores, in other words, if there's a war, um, we put behind our political differences. That's sort of what happened in World War II and sort Mm -hmm. of the the tradition in this country. uh, That's been less and less the case over the years. And so now you would think, okay, if there's ever something where we would, It would stress our commonality because the virus doesn't discriminate against black or white. It doesn't discriminate against old or young. It doesn't discriminate against um, Chinese or American. It doesn't discriminate against Democrat or Republican. Now, it does different um, levels of damage to people uh, based on risk factors, but none of us have immunity. So one would think that if anything would unify us to sort of say, let's put aside our differences, this would be it. And mm. uh, we didn't. And I think the book, the book is a large part about why that's the case.
1: You spoke to us a little bit, but like, how do we relate to experts and scientists differently in this country and how will that impact whether or not people get the vaccine when it is available and if it is available?
3: I think we probably have a higher distrust of science and government uh, in general than, uh, than most parts of the world. Look. There, there are positive attributes to skepticism, right? There's good reason for uh, body politic to be skeptical. And we, of course, ought to hold our experts um, to account. But our, our anti-expert sentiments run a little deeper. And in something like this, where you end up having a kind of learn-as-you-go crisis, where scientists are going to be wrong along the way, if you're an expert and you're wrong, well, that just gave me permission to be just as smart as you, right? So if Anthony Fauci mm-hmm. thought one thing, and then a month later he learned something else, we've given ourselves permission to say, you know, Joe Idiot on Twitter, opinions are just as valid. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. There's the other, another element of this is it's not just science and scientists as individuals, but it's our scientific institutions, the WHO, the CDC, the CDC exactly, the FDA. These are not perfect institutions, but without them. Uh, Without them, we would be in real trouble. Without the 17,000 scientists, for example, at the FDA, uh, making these decisions on um, analyzing the data on the safety and efficacy of drugs, we would be left to politicians saying, hey, hydroxychloroquine is the best drug, and we would have no way of knowing. And Mm -hmm. so it's really important that we have them. doesn't mean they're going to be right every time. But it means they're going to keep studying the data, and we got to hold them accountable. And if we need to reform them, we should reform them. But to lose confidence in, mm-hmm. institutions, in these institutions and these professionals would be incredibly costly. If you talk about vaccines, um, if we had a no reliable authority you count on anymore to tell us whether or not the data on a vaccine was safe or not, you could live in a world where a, mo- a modern world without vaccines uh, would be horrifying. And even the anti-vax community benefits greatly from the fact that they can not take a vaccine because everybody else does.
1: Mm -hmm. Before we move on to to the game show, you know, I think a a lot of people are just feeling so much despair. Um, What what would you say (laughs) to that? You know, you obviously are continuing to fight the fight. You know, how should we look at all this? Yeah.
3: So first of all, if you feel that it's real, don't deny it don't run away from it and you're not the only one feeling it lots of people are feeling it and it's a temporary feeling but get help whether that's talking to friends whether that's Mm -hmm. talking to family members whether that's someone professionally absolutely it's just like any other thing where you're not feeling well you just that's how you deal with it and we should not have any stigma about that and by the way if you're having a good day and you're feeling pretty good why don't you call up a friend or someone who's not doing so great or you're, you're a little worried about it and just tell them you care about them. Listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, help each other through this. This is a tough time. But we're going to get through this. You know, we're going to get through this at a higher cost than we should have. but hopefully we'll learn some lessons. We coexist with viruses. We always have. We always will. These bugs will be here. They're not smarter than us. They're not going to beat us. Um, Right now, we're beating ourselves a Mm -hmm. little bit, um, to be honest. And, you know, that doesn't feel good. um, But it also should give us enough hope to know that we get our head together, we start dealing with this, both science and our human behavior and our political leadership get a little bit better. This is not beyond our power to deal with. Uh, But so I want people to see that there will be, by the end of the tunnel, but also, it's okay to feel shitty. That feeling is not good. It's, it's not fun. But it will pass and help each other through it.
1: Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. Yeah, Would you like to play you. a stupid game show?
3: <laughs> I was hoping
1: so this game show is called hypotheticals you and gabby are actually my contestants i'm gonna ask you a series of hypothetical situations and you decide what you would do in those situations you can ask any clarifying questions you want um and i arbitrarily decide who the winner is i have is. to compete mm-hmm. against gabby yes yes that you
3: doesn't
1: do. seem fair she i almost I, never wins. i almost never win <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so our first game is called are you a terrible parent you find out that your child decided not to sign up for the Affordable Care Act and instead took the risk of not having insurance. They then break their leg and rack up thousands of dollars in medical bills. Oh, God. When they ask you to pay for their bills, you are wealthy. You refuse because they should have paid for insurance. Are you a terrible parent? They're over 18? Yeah. <sighs> Andy? Yeah, I think
3: they're a terrible parent.
1: <laughs> you would just pay the money?
3: Yeah. People make mistakes. And... That's a teachable moment, but having kids suffer, like what, what is it that you're – I think that's insane. I think it's a terrible parent.
2: But what if you say get a job and pay it back yourself? What if you pay it and then you tell them that they owe you money?
3: You know, you could you could do that. I mean, that's, that's reasonable. A lot of parents would probably say, you know, pay me back. I, I think I wouldn't – if I did it, it wouldn't be because I was trying to teach them a lesson – um and Mm -hmm. it would be more because they were an adult and they could afford it and you know they had a job and you know hopefully if i've done something right they would ask me if they could pay me back
1: that's nice we had a very reasonable answer which is unlikely for this game so
2: (laughs) 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 that was a very kind and reason i like that you added allison that you are wealthy yeah, so that you're just by principle choosing not out of to do spite. it. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. This kind of
1: easy. It's obvious you'd be a terrible parent, but I also feel like for you it would be a personal vendetta in the fact that you helped shape the ACA <laughs> and they still didn't get
2: it. You know,
3: I would think I would I would assume they were being lazy.
1: Really, not that they're rebelling
2: against you specifically.
3: You know, God, if I felt that way, and I, then I get my own emotions involved as a parent, you really, really shouldn't do that. Like it's so. Mm to take things personally, but that's forgetting what it's like to be 22, 23, 24, um, where, you know, you're not supposed to be thinking about your parents. Um, You know, you're supposed to be figuring it out and learning how to be an adult and all of that stuff. And you kind of, your job is to be there for your kid when they need you. Um, Their job isn't to need you. Uh, Mm -hmm. They occasionally will. And when they do. You know, you're there and and you they will do it then for their kids if they're in that situation later. And that's that's not supposed to work.
0: Well,
1: you obviously have reasonable opinions across the board,
0: <laughs> which is <laughs> bad wonderful. For an,
1: good for winning this game. Yeah. <laughs> bad for like the comedy of this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
2: I'll,
3: I'll go for the comedy value, but you got to give me one that's a little bit more.
1: No, that one was pretty obvious. Yeah. It was obvious. <laughs> OK, here's our next one. This one is less based in reality. Is this person an alien from outer space or just rude? You are 35 years old in this hypothetical situation. Okay. While walking in your town, someone comes up to you and offers to help sign you up for Medicare if you aren't already, since it's a difficult process and they are a volunteer. Okay. You say, I am only 35. They reply, no need to lie to me about your age. Let me help you sign up. Oh my God. Is this person an alien or just rude? For those who don't know, you have to be 65 to get Medicare currently. Um well why why do they think I'm old? Just the looks of you. My looks? Yeah, that they don't know you. They just saw you in town.
2: And they think I'm also too old to like know what to what they to think you do really for need myself. their help. Wow. Okay, Andy.
3: I mean, like, if you're 53 and someone thinks you're 65, you should be very offended. If you're like your age. Uh, Gabby I someone like you're sixty five? Then they're an alien.
2: Yeah, I mean, we do live in LA, so it is possible that I've had enough work done where I am sixty five yeah. and look my own age, which I, I don't even look my own age. I probably look like sixteen. How old but are you? Thirty two.
3: <laughs> no, are you? Really? Yeah,
1: dude. <laughs> well, she's um, dressed. She's dressed like a little kid right now.
3: <laughs> I thought you were in your childhood bedroom with the posters behind you. It, like I'm like <laughs> this
1: is my. This
3: This is my office. Look that way. It's like you got some, like, hunk model picture.
2: That's Mm. Patrick Swayze. Right, right, right. See? (laughs) Um, You're
3: doing a good imitation of a 15-year-old.
2: Thank you so much. That's all I want to hear. But,
1: okay. So, I think they're an alien. Yeah. The correct answer is they are an alien. And for them, on their planet, anybody who looks over the age of 30 is actually... Pushing 100. That's crazy. That's how their planet
3: works. On their planet is Medicare for all.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's true. <laughs> so people live a long time because they're <laughs> getting good benefits. <laughs> that's true. Okay, our final game is America's favorite game show Would You Stay With This Cheater? When you propose to your partner of two years, you find out they are already married to their ex in order to get health insurance. When you ask why they never told you, they say, it's just marriage. I don't love them. Would you stay with this cheater? They are not willing to get divorced. It's great coverage.
3: Oh, good coverage. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think. uh I mean, I would have
2: a different opinion if it wasn't their ex. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was just mm-hmm. like I'm married to a friend. Because if it's married to their ex, it seems suspicious to me.
3: Do you, would it matter how much you had in common with them? With the ex? No, 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 no. With the with the person who you were engaged to.
1: But you can't get engaged to them because yeah. they won't. They're already married. So Do I really like- want to be
2: married? Like that's my thing. Like I love it.
1: Uh, well, you're just kind of like thrown that your partner of two years has been married this whole time,
2: yeah, that's bad- like that's bad, like definitely, they should have said something,
3: yeah,
1: would
2: you stay? <sighs> well, I don't know because then that that stranger to me has rights to my partner that do you know what I mean like then then, like they're called if there's an emergency and not me, like it feels dangerous in some ways.
0: They they don't
2: like they're mad at my partner because it's their ex and my partner goes into a coma and they're like pull the plug.
3: <laughs> you got a weird perspective on this one. <laughs> You're going right there. What 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 I want to know is are they li- they're not living with their ex anymore? They're just like married on paper. Yes, married on paper. Mm-hmm. Like I think in Europe this would be like why are you even asking? Of course, we- <laughs> yeah. Like this is this why is this a thing? <laughs>
2: Oh, my God, that they're just like, no, absolutely. Like, I would absolutely stay. And maybe Can I get a you new know policy, yeah. too. Yeah. How hot is the ex-partner?
1: The hottest person you've ever seen. Can I be a throuple with them? No, they're monogamous. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, the ex is monogamous.
2: OK. Uh, I guess I I guess I would leave. Would that matter? Gabby's yeah, because, polyamorous. Yeah, like, what if I could just, like, quick hop into a thruple? But then I don't get the health insurance. Ugh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we really learned here is the government should allow more than one person to be married at a time. And I stand by
3: it.
1: Andy, what are your thoughts on this?
3: Uh, so I'm trying to approach this from two angles. If, like, if this happened to Gabby and Gabby were my friend or my daughter or something, I would mm-hmm. talk her out of it. I would say... Mm-hmm. Um, you deserve more than that Mm -hmm. and you deserve someone who's totally focused on you and if she said to me you know what this individual is totally there for me and that other person is like a paper thing only and I'm Mm -hmm. happy I'd say be happy cool hard to find happiness go for it
1: so reasonable (laughs) just such reasonable good. reasonable
3: doesn't seem good on this show though
1: (laughs) It's very good for the interview, not good for hypotheticals. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, like, we need two sides <laughs>
2: to hypotheticals, you know? We, we do. need Yeah, so I appreciate it.
1: Well, unfortunately, you stay with your partner, and then two years from now, they leave you for their ex because, of course, they always love their ex. That's why they stayed married.
2: <gasps> this is, like, a terrible
3: movie. Ugh. Sorry, wow. guys. <laughs> <Ugh>. Heartbreaking. <laughs>
1: So much for joining us. This was amazing. Where can people find out more about you, your podcast, your upcoming book?
3: So at Ace Lavitt on Twitter, um, you can find my podcast anywhere you find podcasts, and uh, the book is called Preventable. You can pre-order it, and uh, this was fun to do. This was nice to do. Thank you for inviting me.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about birthdays. Happy birthday to you. To just between us, it's time for
2: topics. XXXXXXX, X, 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 baby. 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 Uh,
1: so you want to talk about birthdays? Well, yes. One of the reasons is, you know, we're so many episodes in and I've run out of ideas, but also,
2: <laughs> but also, people have a lot of opinions about it. So
1: many opinions about it, and, um, I feel like a lot of people are having birthdays in, in quarantine and that's been interesting of like, do I bother to celebrate this thing when like I can't really even celebrate and like the world is on fire? And, mm-hmm. um, and there's also so much about like ageism and like being afraid of birthdays and like mm-hmm. ha- thinking that it like really represents something about how you appear to the world, even though like mm-hmm. it's literally just one day and you look the same as you did the day before. <laughs> um,
2: how do you feel about birthdays? I wish I was the person who threw a huge party. <laughs> I want to be the type of person who does that every year and I like every year I'm like I'm going to throw a roast and like <laughs> I want I like want to do that and then I just get scared that no one's going to come or I get scared that it's mm-hmm. not going to be good and so I so then I try to like do a, a very small thing but I don't know I mean I always want to recognize it but I always feel like there's pressure to do that.
1: I feel like growing up the way I did where I never felt socially confident. Right. It always was such a stressor because mm-hmm. it was like, never going to look the way that I wanted it to look. It was never mm-hmm. like, I didn't like, it wasn't just like, Oh, and I'll have these clear friends do this clear thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And also it was just like, always like such a reminder of like where I was in my life and how unhappy I was. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas now as I've gotten older, uh, I I really do think it's kind of important to celebrate. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you have to have, like, a huge party every year. But just, mm-hmm. like, planning a special breakfast, making sure you eat all of your favorite foods that day. And, like, that you get to hear from everybody who cares about you. And, like, right. you know, just, like, I think it's so important, as I've said a billion times, to, like, find joy where you can. And birthdays are, like... I think, really special both when it's your birthday, but also when it's the birthday of somebody close to you.
2: Yeah, that is nice to make a big deal about it for somebody, because I think like a lot of people want the day to be special. Some people really don't, though. If your friend is like, I don't want it. Like, I don't want a surprise party ever. I don't want that. Like if somebody um, was real is really like, I don't like my birthday. It's not your job to be like, well, let's do a big thing, you know, like leave them
1: alone. I don't know. But People I also have think such... that you can like text them more than you maybe would or like get yeah. them some, uh, get them a cookie, you know, like it can be, yeah, it yeah, yeah, be, like huge. But like on birthdays in my family, like we call each other all day. So it's not yeah. like we just have like one check in birthday call. Aww. It's like all day long, like we're calling each other and sending texts and like you know um yeah even like my sister like who is it's harder to kind of get a hold of she like does that for birthdays and like right right right. so it's not like huge gestures but just like thinking of you this is your special day i'm like gonna like blow you up like it's it's Mm -hmm. fun it's um and i think especially during like quarantine and covid and all that stuff like if if you live with the person whose birthday it is just like putting in that little extra special effort to be like what do you want for your birthday breakfast like let me mm-hmm. go like let me go get you that blueberry muffin you haven't had in 4 months mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be like so big but mm-hmm. just like spending a day of like you know potentially celebrating yourself and then i also think that like the lead up to, in the same way some people might treat New Year's, it's like kind of a good time to like look back <sighs> on what the past year was and like maybe yeah. what you want for the next year. Um, kind of just like some, not necessarily mindfulness, but just some sort of like, like inventory, you know? Yeah. I guess of like, what do I want to do differently? Yeah. Yeah. But if
2: you put too much pressure on New Year's, too, it's also oh, I hate, bad. Like, I hate New Year's. <laughs> like putting any sort of pressure on any day. Like what if, OK, my birthday is June 1st. What if I have a bad day June 1st, but then I have a really good day June 2nd?
1: No, that's great. Does it matter? Does it matter? No, but I. But that's why also like it's so individual in and how you want to spend that day. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you might just want to like go to lunch with one friend. And that's great because mm-hmm. that's how you want to celebrate it. But I think that you should figure out what celebration works for you instead Mm -hmm. of thinking, well, if I'm not having a big party, then I'm not celebrating. Therefore, I shall do nothing.
2: And what about in quarantine? It's been shitty for people who are quarantined by themselves.
1: Yeah. But that's why it's like, you know, don't just call your friend once, maybe call them five times and they'll by the fifth time be like, stop calling me. But they know that like you're thinking of them and it's their day. Zoom birthday party. Yeah,
2: something, you know, I mean, yeah, it sucks. I mean, or people that had things planned that had to cancel. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. talking about like birthdays, weddings, like all this kind of stuff. And also, like, I want to say that I think it is important to celebrate things even in bad times. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think it serves anyone to be like, moping about about like an anniversary or a birthday or something that you're not getting to celebrate exactly the way you want, because we don't have control over the world. And I think clearly we don't have control over the world in terms of like global pandemic. But then also, I think people sometimes feel guilty for celebrating a birthday, you know, or guilty for celebrating an anniversary or something when the world is on fire. But I also think you are allowed to take joy in like little things that Maybe aren't happening the way you want them to, but like they're still happening and like you're allowed like small pleasures, you know, and you're allowed to celebrate another year of of being on this planet if you want.
1: And like make it so it's not just that you celebrate your birthday, but like we've been saying, like you're celebrating the birthdays of everyone you love, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like. Yeah, like, OK, so you want to do a thing, but you're also going to like do something for your mom or your best friend or, you know, like it's a time where you can like really show your gratitude and appreciation for the people in your life and like take advantage of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for parents, especially go overboard. It. For- go yeah, overboard. they love it.
1: Go overboard. If your parents love birthdays, Fucking go do wild. It. Make them feel cared about. It's such a it's such a clear opportunity to make it clear how much you care for someone without anyone being like, why are you doing this? You know, like it's like yeah. carte blanche to just like be so jazzed that this person is alive. <laughs> yeah. But also, you
2: know, you wanted to talk about ageism. Like I, I have a little bit of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when, when I turned 32, I was like, what am I going to say? I'm 32. Ugh. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> I definitely, every time I remember I'm 31 and I'm not 30, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, well, it's just going to keep happening, you know? I like, think we got to take the, the number away from birthdays and yeah. instead just make it be like, it's your day. Yeah. It's just like a celebration of you and like the the mm-hmm. age doesn't matter. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. Back to the group and Instagram the ground running. <laughs> Doesn't make like sense I think- not to live for fun. Your brain gets tired, smart, but your but head, your head gets, dumb. gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You better know if you don't show. You better shine if you don't something. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm crying. Speaking of, I make everybody listen to me sing them happy birthday. You gotta. Like, I, I go through the whole thing. Yeah. Whether leave it on their voice. Whether or not. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think like it get away from the number and Mm -hmm. like I don't know Andy just said I look like 12 like who (laughs) even knows you know what I mean
1: I think a lot of times birthdays can bring up a lot of bad feelings because it's like at this age I thought I would blank uh uh-huh or at this age or like have I wasted my life Mm mm-hmm But we have to, that's all just like that internal work you have to do with getting rid of shoulds and expectations and everything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 But it kind of can flare up around your birthday. But I Mm -hmm. definitely used to like get so depressed around my birthday. And now I'm just so excited for my birthday. But then my birthday, my birthday this year was kind of like underwhelming and like it wasn't, it wasn't like my best birthday. But my birthday when I turned 30 was like amazing, you know? And so I think that it's just sort of like, um, not putting too much pressure on it and also knowing that like you get one every year. So if like what birthday isn't the best, then you get one next year. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting or do something for yourself.
2: If uh-huh. you're by yourself, take a bath,
1: just like. Treat yourself like a fucking princess the whole day.
2: Yeah, whatever, whatever you can do. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be that exact day. If you're working that day. Right. If such and such, whatever. Like for me, like it, it kind of turns into not a birthday month because I'm not that girl. But it's like, you know, it's like, um oh, well, if we can't celebrate on the first, we can celebrate on the fourth.
1: Right. Still taking that special time to like yeah. celebrate yourself and and just like indulge yourself. Yeah. I'm always like, you can watch whatever you want. No one else gets to decide what you watch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think that's kind of fun and freeing. Yeah. It just gets, it's just nice to have things to look forward to and birthdays <laughs> are sort of that. <laughs>
2: oh my God. Yeah. But please don't, please don't like use fire in any way. No, no, in California to celebrate anything because. We're on fire right now because people were celebrating using fire. So I would recommend no fires. Whatever you do for your birthday, please no fires.
1: The one thing that's really going to change is people won't blow out candles anymore the way they used to with COVID. Yes.
2: And everyone made fun. I mean, first of all, it's Mitt Romney, so I get it. But everybody made fun of Mitt Romney for taking candles out of the cake and blowing them out in- individually. Everyone thought he was an alien. <laughs> and turns out he was ahead of the curve.
1: Who knew? Who knew? uh Tamika, want to come in and and share your thoughts on on birthdays and also sing the happy birthday song if you feel inclined. Nothing would shock me more than if Tamika came on and sang the happy
0: birthday. Song. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering as you were singing that, uh was it Smash Mouth? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do we need to like cut that for copyright? Like, I don't know if we can keep oh, that. Oh, I don't know. Well, she I, did I I didn't know all the words. The words so. wrong, yeah, so she <laughs> didn't know. Um. Yeah, I, I like this conversation about birthdays just because I think everybody has a different association with it just based on how they were raised. Like I was mm-hmm. raised, people celebrated you. So you didn't really think about what you wanted for your birthday. Like people would just like throw you some small get together, what have you. So as an adult, like I just didn't know what to do anymore. Like I didn't know yeah. how to celebrate myself.
1: Right. That yeah. makes sense. Have you have you learned how to?
0: <laughs> no, I'm still figuring it out. Like I try and do like one thing I really want to do. Like one yeah. year I I traveled, which was awesome. That's like the easiest way my mind can process. Celebrate you. Do one thing. Just pick a thing and just do it.
1: I love yeah. that. It's manageable when you think of it that way.
2: Yeah. Well, it's hard for people to feel like they deserve it. You know, I think people maybe feel like they don't deserve even to celebrate themselves, and that's sad. No.
1: You have to celebrate yourself. Mm-hmm. You deserve it. You deserve it. Now that made me so sad to think of. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> well, we want to celebrate you.
2: Yeah, we love Tamika.
1: <laughs> I just meant the like the anonymous you, but also I love Tamika. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> what do you what do you rate this episode? I'll rate it 11 out of 10 Gabby's childhood bedrooms. It's an adult bedroom. <laughs>
2: It's the bedroom of an adult. Is it? Yes. I thought it was your office. It's not a bedroom. It's my office, first of all. And my office, I work in Hollywood. It has a lot of Hollywood posters.
1: (laughs) What would you rate it?
2: Um, Five out of five preventables.
1: Ooh, yeah. That
2: that title really upset
0: me. (laughs) Mm, I would rate it seven out of seven foster dogs.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm sorry if you guys have heard her hacking it in the in the background. She's got kennel her? cough. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, there's been just a nonstop week of. What is what is kennel cough? <laughs> it's like their version of like a cold or something. But like oh. pretty much whenever you get a dog out of a shelter or rescue, they're going to have kennel cough. Beans can't breathe anyway. Well, maybe he's had kennel cough this whole time. Oh, he
2: heard me say his name. i to sleep. <laughs> I'm not here. Okay.
1: (laughs) Before we uh, wrap up, we just want to say thank you for everyone who's been leaving reviews on the show. That's been amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Please recommend the show to people that you know so that we can keep it going. Um, Leave a review. Rate it five stars. Uh, Let me read some fun reviews. Thank you, Colin Haskins, uh, for leaving the review. Wow. Mm -hmm. Five stars. I live for JBU. If it weren't for these hilarious women, I would be a far worse of a human being. Amazing podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Colin. You're a great human being just for going out of your way to leave that review. I like uh, Catherine Nine. This show helped my
2: friend get divorced. I love this show so much. It is my favorite podcast of all time. I get so excited for it every week. The mental health relationship and overall life advice has made me a happier and overall more confident person. I recommended this show to a friend in an unhealthy marriage and shortly thereafter, she decided to get a divorce, which is the best decision in my opinion. And I would like to thank myself, Gabby, and especially Allison helped her make it. Keep telling people to break up if necessary. I love you guys. (laughs)
1: I have the chills I'm so thrilled Oh my god That's so funny (laughs) Wow 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 I have to go cry Um, Thank you so much To Andy Slavitt For being our guest Just Between Us Is hosted by me Allison Raskin And me Gabby Dunn Our engineer Is Brendan Burns He also composed Our killer theme music Our producer
2: Is Tamika Weatherspoon Our executive producers Are Chris Bannon And Josephine Martirana
1: Just Between Us Is a production Of Stitcher I got someone To get divorced
0: (laughs) How cool. Stitcher.